Drinking with Authors contains adult themes and subjects, including discussions involving alcohol. We ask if you are drinking along to please drink and listen responsibly. Enjoy the show. Okay, we're back. Now we're in literary briefs here with Drinking with Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lamps, and with me, Jen Kent-Harris, is... I'm J.M. Paquette. Well, you can't hear? What's no, happening? No, I got nothing. Okay. That's oh, there you are. Hi. Did you somehow pull your headset out of? The... I don't know. This is why we can't have nice things. I didn't even touch it. Whatever. You're fired. I looked at it. Okay. Don't look at things. Don't look at any technical things. Buzzing earlier in the episode. Okay. With us today in our literary briefs episode is Connie Y. Harris because there is a Connie Harris. So we're going to go. Connie Y. Harris is with us. Welcome to literary briefs, Connie. Thank you, Erica. Yes, we are drinking Riesling wine because I decided to actually drink what the author was drinking for the first time ever. I drink a lot of gin. I don't want to say a lot because it really makes... I sound like an alcoholic. (laughs) What? (laughs) Shut up. You're drinking water. I don't even want to talk to you. Okay, so literary briefs, we do rapid fire questions. I don't know why I keep saying that. It never ends up being rapid fire, but but there's a couple. So what is your favorite book? I would say... um, Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. Oh, I was raised in the I'm South. Like... Gone with the Wind. Wow. What is your least favorite book? Hmm. I would say Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> so sad. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I like Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Jane Austen. Yeah, Pride I would like that. Yeah, but the, the Jane Austen's slow. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Alana J. Rubin, but Jane Austen is painful to get through. She Ugh. loves Jane Austen. So um, when let's let's talk a little bit. So Gone with the Wind is your favorite book. Uh, obviously, that's probably considered one of the most epic romance books of all time, kind of. Did not have a happy ending, but there were definitely romance elements in it. Yeah. Um, do you like romances to have a happy ending? I do. You do? I do. Or... Um, an expected happy ending. Like, it didn't quite get there, but you know it's probably going to work out. Interesting. Jen's a huge fan of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get get mad if it's not a happy ending. I'm like, no, I'm done with you. I'm not reading you anymore. I even read the last page of a book to make sure that all the characters are still there. I've done that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm guilty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you just put down a book? Can you just stop reading it if you don't like it? No. You're committed? I'm committed. I'm going to get all the way through it. But you won't yeah. give a review if it's less than three stars. No, I just won't do that to another author. No, you know, it's interesting. Let's talk about reviews for a moment. Okay. We didn't get to talk about reviews on the last podcast. How do you feel about reviews? The reviews you get, what do you think about them? Um, I, I mean, most of my reviews have been good, so I like them. And I don't think they're the end all, but I do think you should have some. You know, especially up on Amazon, because if people say don't necessarily get... Uh, t- you know, tripped. I can't even talk anymore. This one, it's all your fault, Eric. I guess on that. I am what one could consider a bad influence. <laughs> if people don't like the cover or don't like the title, maybe they see fifty-one good reviews and go, "Well, I mean, let me read some of these reviews and check it out." And they're verified purchasers. I do that when I buy, like, you know, cat food. I mean, I'll go on and look at reviews. Do you look at reviews when you buy books? I do. You do? Mm-hmm. What do you look for? Um, I look for good plotting, like that the plot was intriguing, and, and um, 
I look for depth in characters, like the characters are really likable or real, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, do you have a rapid fire question? If you start reading a book and the grammar is bad, what do you do? Oh. She apparently reads the whole damn do you, thing. Do you keep reading even I if the, do, the language is... I do, but I shudder because I was an English teacher. Yeah. And, you know, back in the day, we used to do a lot of work with grammar and diagramming and I all of that. It. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's important. <laughs> I grammar Nazis. Oh, clearly. man. And I'm just drives me nuts. And I'll just sort of hold my nose and keep reading. Wow. So do you um, do you have a word or a phrase or something that you find yourself doing? I feel like all authors have a... By the way, everybody in Jen, Jam's books shrug. They all shrug. Everybody's shrugging all the time. I don't know why, but every five minutes, somebody's shrugging something. Control F, shrug. Uh, control, like she finds that word to remove that word because that's what they do. Every one of my characters realizes something many, many times. they were. I have to look for the word realize. Now when I'm typing it, I'm acutely aware of how many times I've typed the word realize. What about you? Do you have any quirks that you're aware of? Well, I've been made aware of something I say a lot. So I'm careful not to put it in my books. My critique partner claims that every time she says something to me, I'll say, I'll handle it. I'll handle it. I'll handle it. So like she'll no. need to, you need to write more. I'll handle it. You need to spend more time on your books. I'll handle it. And so nobody handles anything. No, in the books. books. No. <laughs> There's no handles in the book. That feels like I'm right on top of that, Rose. I'm right on top of that, Rose. I'm doing that. Um, which, by the way, is a Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead reference, which is one of the best movies ever. Um, so rapid-fire questions. Um, when you're sitting down, um, do you need it to be really quiet? Like, you're, what is your writing environment? You said you like writing with other people, so that's not necessarily quiet. So what do you enjoy the most writing? Um, you know, I enjoy a variety of things, but I really, it's funny. If I'm at home, it needs to be quiet. The dog goes out in the backyard. The cat like jumps up on my keyboard when I'm not giving him enough tension and wanders right on my keyboard and puts like XXXXX on the page. So I have to get rid of him. Um, so if I'm at home, I really need it quiet. The funny thing about it is I usually go to Panera Bread or Starbucks or Burgermonger um, to, and right there where there's a lot of commotion, but it's disrelated to me. Nobody's talking to me. The phone isn't ringing for me. It's somebody else's phone ringing. And I can sort of just shut that out and just sit and write, but I sort of like that commotion. That's interesting. Are you morning person, night person? Oh, I am definitely a morning person as far as energy level and alertness, as far as my writing goes. I'm, I'm better to write in the morning, but I'm a night person in that I stay up till about one o'clock every single night, um, reading, you know, uh, doing like emails, folding sheets. Like, so, you know, folding I guess I, I just, I guess I just don't sleep. No, I was going to say it sounds like you have I insomnia. Don't, don't do <laughs> I have a lot of sleep. <laughs> awesome so um when oh i just lost my train of thought there that so we should we should have done this first before we started drinking <laughs> it's the more fun this way. Way. no it's more fun this way it's good it's good it's like you know i'm totally jen you don't even have an excuse you've been drinking water i was sick oh <laughs> you know that's the last time you can fucking claim my that. brain's not back yet shut up um 
Okay. So talking about your books, talking about your third book, you were kind of talking about some of the, um, and not that you've had a bad publisher. So we want to super preface with that. You've actually had a fairly good publishing experience. She, they're very uh, reputable and they've won awards for the best small press year after year after year. They've actually won awards. Very cool. Yeah. But you are possibly looking at with other things you're writing going more of an indie route. Correct. And that is because? Uh, because I'll have more control and uh, I won't have to, you know, I can write my own dedication. I can um, feel confident, like when something gets edited, if I say no, that's definitely a guy would never say that word to a girl, that I can hold my own and have it my way. No, I think it's great. Um, one of the things... I think with traditional publishing, I mean, there's a lot of perks to it. You know, sometimes you have these big publishers, they'll do promo, they'll do cool things. Sometimes. I hope everybody out there listens to sometimes. Sometimes yeah. you're just a name and you're on a shelf. And, and it's gotten less and less over the years. Yes. But I think a lot of times you lose that control. And at the same time, I want to put out there that authors sometimes need to let go of some of the control because... There's a marketing aspect to doing things, and there's a not marketing aspect to doing things, and you have to let the people that know how to market do the marketing aspect. But um, you are talking about that you have other things you're going to write, so you're not just going to stay in the romance arena. I'm not. I have a series, and I've, I have some stories I want to tell. This third story is really important to me um, about John, the, the injured Marine. He's, and I'm sort of, you know, going out on a limb here because a hero is going to be a disabled vet. No, I um, think that's brilliant. I don't think that's mm -hmm. covered a lot. No, not It's at all. not. And, but it's going to be. And, <laughs> and, um, and also, you know, the heroine is, is another strong female. I really, in life, I like strong females and in my books, I like strong females. I like females that can totally support themselves, stand on their own, have their own careers, and they choose to be in a relationship. I think that's interesting. You were talking about this recently, um, Jen, with... Uh, Tamara. Yes, we're, we're t we were talking about the people that have to get saved. Like that, you know, mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing in romance books where... Um, she was mentioning that some readers get upset because you don't have whatever trouble the, the female character is having. The male is not the one solving that problem for them. Mm -hmm. Do you write your characters that way? Um, that's a good question. In the first book, uh, Forever in Ocala, the hero does save her from an abusive ex-boyfriend. Uh, but the circumstances are such that he needs to step in. Um, she's, she's not able to do it. And for reasons I don't want to get into, because then it spoils the book. Yeah, no. She could. Don't give away plot lines. Right. She could, but he does have to step in and help her. Okay. Um, in the beginning of the book, he tries to step in and help her, and she's like, leave it. That's the command I give my German shepherd when he picks up something he's not <laughs> supposed to. I go, leave it. So she's just like, leave it. And uh, I can handle this myself. So I like women that do that. Now, in the second book... Um, he doesn't save her. I mean, he doesn't. She saves herself and have, some other people. Have you gotten anybody talking to you about that and kind of going a little bit out of the romance trope for doing that? Nope. I mean, all my reviews so far on the second book are five-star reviews, just that they liked the book and couldn't put it down and it was a page ripper and that kind of thing. They, they haven't said anything 
about that. And that, ooh, uh, one girl told me, she said, uh, Connie Harris, that book was spicy. I will never look at you the same way again. <laughs> let's talk about sex. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yay. Let's Yay. talk about sex. I was, Yay. I was Let me gonna, have some more wine. You should have some more wine. I was leading into let's talk about sex, baby. Okay. So um, you write sex scenes, obviously, yeah. in your book. Um, how far do they get? So will they talk about a little bit like do they just get to the door? Do they get all the way in? Do we, do we close the door? He gets all the way in. that's fucking amazing he gets all the way what was it like how do you feel about writing sex scenes I love it Um, you know I personally got raised by a very artistic sort of open minded mother Mm -hmm. Uh, she was a torch singer at the Shoreham Hotel in Washington D.C. when she met my father she was singing with a big band oh wow and she was very artistic, and uh, she was one of those mothers like, now, honey, when you decide it's time you want to start having sex, come talk to me. Not like you shouldn't, you can't, you won't. Just come talk to me. She was one of those. So I didn't grow up in sort of the puritanical, you know, Amer- typically American uh, household where, you know, sex wasn't discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I have had more than one person come up to me and go, wow, that was uh, spicy. Or, wow, Connie Harris, you wrote that? Like that. But well, <laughs> you're but like, it's not I, erotica I, I've, at all. I've, I've, I've had sex before, just yeah. in case anybody's yeah. wondering. Just FYI. Yes. Um, yes. It's, it's like a lady said to me one time. She goes, I'm not married, but I haven't been neglected. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So in writing the sex scenes, I think one of the things a lot of authors talk about when writing sex scenes is um, body parts and getting it right in the description of it. How, how is your process in writing the sex scenes so you don't end up with like three arms or 12 legs or whatever, you know, four penises, whatever happens. I can say penis because this is an adult podcast. <laughs> penis. I think you could even say that on television now. I think you can. I would like to consider myself more risque. I'll say fuck. You can't say that on television no, anymore. No, not yet. So. But I do say it in my book. Do you? Yes, I do. And I had a lady that did a radio interview on me before she put me on the radio say to me, I read your book and it has a lot of bad language in it. And I said, well... We're talking about Navy SEALs here. They're not choir boys. They're sailors. You know, it, yeah, for me, it, realism is really important. It's like that's why I don't have the guys calling the girls gals. It's like how do men really talk? No, I think it's, 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 that's very true. So as far as the sex goes, what I do is I, I, I sort of recall times of my own and I might embellish it, or, you know, the scene around it is different. Like, you know, they're on a hillside in Ocala or something. I've never done it there. My first book, uh, they were up against an old oak tree, and I wished I was there. (laughs) (laughs) To those listening. (laughs) So, you know, it's just, you know, based on my own past experience, kind of, you know, and then... 
um, adding whatever the scene is and the setting is to it. And then I have my critique partner also read it because I get very involved in my sex scenes. Like I'm there, I'm a voyeur, I'm there with them. So I have her read it to make sure there's not, you know, six dicks or something. Yeah, I, I hate it when there's six dicks unless there are <laughs> very multiple multiple guys attached to. But I don't write paranormal. There's a paranormal right there. There's a harem right there. That's right. Yeah, I'm. I don't write uh, any. I mean, I write sex, and it is to consummation, you know. But it's a, a guy and a girl, and they're in love, and blah blah. It's I don't write erotica. Do you put protection? You know, it's funny. Because I was going to age myself a little bit from the hippie time when I grew up as a hippie, and I didn't have it in there. And then my critique partner said, where's your condom? I went, what? She goes, yeah, they wear condoms now, Connie. I was like, okay, let me go back and fix that. (laughs) There's a hashtag right there. They wear condoms condoms now, now, Connie. Connie. Uh, I was like, oh, let me go fix that. So I actually had to go back and fix that. So you had to add the protection I back I didn't need in. to add that, but I didn't in the second book and for for a reason. Yeah, which is you have to read the book, yeah. which I suggest doing. Um, that's really interesting because, um, you know, you're writing in public places. Are you writing the sex scenes in public places? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I wish I'm everybody not... could see the look on her face right now because she's like, what the fuck ever? All right. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about dick. Okay. <laughs> type, type, type. Yeah. Now, I don't read them out loud at Panera Bread. You know, I don't read the scenes out loud, but I'm just over there working away. I'm not, you know, I'm not paying attention to anybody around me. I really do just close it all off. It's sort of background for me. Have you gotten any negative reviews at all? Yes, on my first book, I got a two and a half star review, which uh, was from a lady in England, and it was just a reviewer, you know, sent it out on short, lo- short and long reviews or NetGalley or one of those places. And you know, it's I'm not paying anybody for reviews. I've never paid for a review, so you don't know who's going to get your book and review it. It's just sort of like up in the air. And Amazon changed it to a three star. I didn't ask them to; they just put it in as a three star. So. Um, that's okay. Anyway, yeah, she liked the book. She had some negative things to say about it. And she was talking about the SEALs in there and said, you know, Navy SEALs would never do this. And I was like, oh, that's where you're wrong, lady. But I didn't, I was told you can't fight a bad review. Do not go on Amazon and, and say anything. Don't combat them. Well, no, there, I think there's no point in combating a bad review. I think when, you, when you're looking at reviews, you have to look at them and go, like, the first thing is, is this actually a reader for you? No. I mean, that's the first thing. And if they're not, just, you kind of ignore what they're saying. Because, let it go. Yes, mm-hmm. let it go. If she was a professional reviewer from England, though. I mean, I don't know. You know, I had a lady, a Canadian lady, buy one of my first book. And she said, wow. I said, She said, we don't have Navy SEALs in Canada. I, I knew nothing about them or what they were like or anything. She said, I really learned a lot. And she came and I had a book signing a couple weekends ago. And she came and bought my second book. Wow. And she was, oh, I can't wait to read more about them. And, you know, so people from other countries don't, people in this country don't even really know that much, but people from other countries definitely don't know. And, uh, but she also had some good criticisms about my writing. Uh, one of the specifics she gave me, and she gave me specifics, which was good. She, one of the specifics she said was some of the word choices sounded like I looked it up at a thesaurus and I was laughing when I probably did. <laughs> you know, I probably, I mean, first book, I probably did do that, you know. Well, 
mean, and and that's interesting. And I think that's my point is when you when you look at a review, you have to look at what are they saying? Are there? Did they get where you were coming from? Did they right. get the voice you were saying it from? And was it constructive what they said? Some was, yeah. yeah. Some of it was. Which is great. Just going, cool, I liked it, five stars. Great, we love those. Don't get me wrong. You guys can, and everybody out there can go review my books and say that. But that doesn't actually help. And it no. doesn't help even if you're reading the reviews to go, do I want this book? Because it's not descriptive. At the same time, I hate it when a reviewer writes like a fucking biography of like... 12 pages on their review of the book. I'm like, I'm sorry. And then sorry. gives you one star. Yeah. <laughs> and you could have rewritten them. Even if they give you five stars, but they're like, let me go through the entire book. I'm like, and especially when they say spoiler alert, I'm like, oh my God. I had that, yeah. some of those too. Like, get the yeah. fuck off of my Amazon with your spoiler alerts. Yeah, I had I had a few of those. You know, they think they're doing professional reviews and they tell you the whole plot. Now who's going to want to read it? But um, the ones I like the most are the good ones. But where they say what they liked about the book, that way I know, okay, I'm going in the right direction on characterization. Yeah. They loved my hero. Um, you know, but they didn't say anything about the heroine. They didn't say they liked her. Maybe my heroines are a little off. Let me look at that. I, I do read every review. Some authors don't even read them. And I think I for some them. authors, it depends on where your mental state is because i would say if you're a fragile person don't read the fucking reviews like if you're a fragile person because some people can't do well with looking at the criticism and putting it like where it needs to go compartmentally right and if you can't do that don't fucking read your reviews good bad or indifferent just stay the hell away from them at the same time never combat never troll a reviewer never get into that never get in a verbal fight with somebody because it doesn't do anything they're obviously not a reader for you and, and I would say that I'm probably a sensitive person, but I would say I'm not a fragile person. I'm tough. But I would say... I would I'm, say that about you, actually. <laughs> knowing you, I would say you're a very tough person, yeah. but... But I'm also sensitive. You know, it's like I care what people think about my books and my writing, and if they've got a valid thing I can work on, I mean, it's first darn book. It's like... So the second book, I made sure... I didn't use the thesaurus. I just would just sit there and just write down words that I thought fit. You know, if I'm using a word too much, like wounded or whatever word it was. Wound. You know, if I use that word too much, um, instead of going to to the synonym dictionary, then I would uh, just write down a list of words that I thought, first of all, a guy or whoever the character is would actually say that word because certain words are have a sex to them. Mm -hmm. Females use them a lot more than males, or males use them a lot more than females. So what I would do if it was the guy uh, is I would go to a guy who I considered very masculine, and I'd say, okay, if you were talking, if you were saying this line, and you couldn't use the word wound, what word would you use? And they'll tell me, and it's almost perfect every time. And I think that's really important is getting the correct perspective when you're Mm -hmm. writing somebody and how would they, to your point where you're talking about somebody's trying to say the word gal because it's not 19 Mm -hmm. fucking 50 anymore. Exactly. You know, is how do they speak? How is that understood? And who is your target audience that's going to relate to that particular thing? If you're writing about a 20 something person, they, they probably have a cell phone. They probably text no matter how educated they are. Mm -hmm. You know, shorter communication. How do they say it? They don't say an archaic word. I hate that. I hate it when authors put archaic words that you almost have to look up and you go, it's not even a real thing. It's one thing if it's in a sci-fi or fantasy or something that's 
to the point of that, but when somebody uses a really big fucking word instead of like wound, like just use wound. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I did that in my in the second book. I put in a couple there were just it was just I was just thinking and writing and I put these words in and uh, my critique partner said, Connie, nobody says those words are too big. People won't even know what they mean. You know, so I would find a, a simpler word and it she was right. Oh, and it's I changed true. it. And mm-hmm. it's not saying audiences are dumb, so nobody no. listening, all dozen of you that do. Um <laughs> That was for Austin. Um, the listen, don't think that. It's just when you're reading, you don't want to be thrown out of the story by something that you're like, I don't, I don't know what. I the don't hell. know what these letters mean. I mean, there are times when I watch. I watch the show Seal Team on CBS on Wednesday nights at nine. Uh, <laughs> CBS, if you'd like to sponsor Drinking with Authors, please reach out to us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, I'm a huge fan, but they use. I was never in the military, so they use terms I have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, so I sit there with my cell phone, and I have to put the show on pause and look up what are they talking about under military slang, you know. And it is a little bit difficult when you have to do that. So imagine being at eleven o'clock at night, you're trying to go to sleep, you're reading a book, and she said, "What? Oh, let me go get a dictionary. Let me go get my phone. I don't want to do that. I want it to be e- simple, easy read." No, and I think that is important because the genre too that you're. Um, you're writing in is a genre where it is a lot of times a fantasy. Like yeah. people are reading to be in that fantasy, to be that vet or to be, you know, the with Zumba. that guy. Yes. With that guy. And they don't, uh, they don't want to have this long diatribe thing that somebody's saying that you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Right. You want to be like, woo, do you want to be tingly and all that other fun stuff? So I do want to ask one question before we have to wrap up. So Forever in Ocala, you got an audiobook for this. Your publisher did. I'm just mm-hmm. curious because this is a fun question. Is it read by a male or a female? It's read by a male. Good. Good. And he's a speech professor at Oklahoma Univers- University of Oklahoma, which I thought was sort of good. Yeah. But it's written, it's read by a male. Yeah. And I think that's very interesting because a lot of, um, and I think a lot of people don't realize that women would rather have a book read to them, especially with sexual and romantic content, by a male if it's a, a, a straight relationship. Obviously, if it was a female-female relationship, right. it would be a female. A male-male relationship would be a, exactly. a male. But I think it's important because um, I've, I've heard books read by a female that are romance books, and I go, I, I get it why they don't want it read by a female. You don't want a girl reading you sex scenes unless it happens to be that kind of situation. Yeah, and this guy, they let me have final say on him. But he was super easy to work with, and any pronunciations I wanted him to fix, he fixed right away. I mean, all of that I take into account also, but he definitely had credentials to read the book as a speech professor. And I thought he did a great job. And I even got one review where somebody had bought the audiobook and loved the narrator and said that. Yeah, so. and a lot of times people follow narrators too. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people don't realize is that certain, yeah. oh yeah, the more famous romance, especially um, male narrators, people will buy the books, just the ones they're narrating for the sake that they're listening to their voice. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I'm continuing to get royalties off this book, even though it's been out for a while, and they're mostly audiobook royalties because they're bigger royalties. So who's reading the second one? Are you getting him to read the second one? It depends on how well it sells. My publisher won't put the money out, I think, unless uh, it sells well. 
So, I mean, I could always pay for it myself. I was going to say you might want to reach out to him and see about doing that. We could talk offline okay. about that, but it, it may be worth it. If he's selling, if you're making money, because believe it or not, there's a lot more profit in audiobooks than oh, there is yeah. in literally everything else. Yeah. So, okay, cool. We're supposed to wrap up anyway. I asked a question past the wrap-up phase. So, Connie. Yes. Why Harris? How does how do people find you? Where are you located? You know, uh, don't give your home address because people <laughs> will stalk you. Uh, I would say the best place to find the books is Amazon.com under Connie Y. Harris, because like I said, there's two Connie Harrises. And or under the title of one of the books, but Connie Y. Harris will bring both of them up. Okay. And then, you know, I'm on all the social media with my name in the in the and I have a website, ConnieYHarris.com. And very shortly you're gonna have a newsletter that everybody can subscribe to and get free content. We didn't talk about that between the break or anything, so I wouldn't know that. <laughs> right, exactly. And there's even a button on my website now to like sign up. So I've already had some sign ups, so and now I just need to produce the newsletter. Newsletter and she's going to. You have been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Her books, again, are Forever in Ocala and A Bounty on Forever. And the third one is named? Forevertheone.com. Forevertheone.com. Military Vets, I think that one's going to be huge. I think that community is going to absolutely love you. Thank you for being on Literary Briefs with Drinking with Authors. I'm Erica Lance. I'm J.M. Piquette. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>